As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Nick. Welcome in. First, uh, yeah. <laughs> we got the first uh, Lions live room here on The Athletic. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, of course. We'll let you, let you guys... Uh, get, Nick, I'm, uh, I'm excited here. This, we've been waiting to do this for a while. Yes. Um, okay, so this is Chris's first live room, right? I've done one. Yeah. Right. yeah How'd I've it done, go? Bre- Brendan and I did one. It was, it was fine. It was pretty good. It was a pretty easy <laughs> process. No one screwed anything up. We didn't break anything that I recall. Um, I think we had we had a producer with us, though, I believe. So we don't today, ladies and gentlemen. We're off the rails. But um, I think what we're going to do here is you can, in your app, um, you can raise your hand uh, in the app there somewhere along the way, and it'll uh, show your hand raised to us. And at some point here in the show over the next hour or so, we'll um, do a Q&A or get in some questions or, or whatever you have and it's as uh, simple as that it's almost like talk radio you know you call in raise your hand but it has to be you have to talk um to us through the, the app in your phone um it can't be uh yet through the computer yet you can still follow the chat and, and listen to us uh, via your laptop uh, like if you're at work or something but if you want to talk to us uh, when we get to that point um a little later here um you'll have to do it through the app but otherwise this should be a regular podcast it should be like a live podcast right i think we're recording this chris and it will be um up in everyone's feeds uh probably later today i imagine right yeah uh and yeah. like nick said we got you can also pop over to the chat room uh yes, yes. see that little tab on the uh, live room app there um and uh put questions in there if you want or comments or whatever yeah, else yeah. you got on your mind and we can get to some of those too um and yeah like nick said you just raise your hand and request to speak and we can pull you up uh I think it'll say that you're on stage with us and uh, we can have a little conversation about whatever you want. So, yeah, we uh, see some uh, questions and comments and we got our first hand raising up. So we'll uh, get into that in a few minutes here. We just wanted to talk for a second about uh, we had our, our latest mock draft go up mm-hmm. yesterday, our seven rounder with uh, – I, I think we were pretty happy with how it turned out, right? I, I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, I think it was really – I mean, I think it ended up being sort of – it showed – I think it showed us exactly what we kind of – that it would for the Lions' sake, I suppose, and, and that, like, um, the areas that it needed to be deep 
keep finding that it, there's depth there. You know, um, I never at any point when we go through these ever worry about are you get, are they going to be able to get a good linebacker? Are they going to be able to get a good safety? Are they going to be able to get a, get a good corner? Like at any point along the way, and we talk so much about those premium picks, right? Like every time we've gone through it, it's like I don't think we've ever gone through a situation where we're like, man, we didn't, we couldn't get, we waited too long on this or we, you know what I mean? So it's like, I think it just maybe is random or maybe that they just still need <laughs> everything. But like, I yeah, think the draft right. has depth where they need it to be. And like this draft showed that, I think this time through it kind of showed it to us. Yeah. I mean, that I, the quarterback thing is just sort of hovering there, right? Like yeah, that's yeah. the one that they're going to have to decide it too, if they're interested in probably Willis. And it, it looks like they're going to have to decide at 32 or 34 if they think, <laughs> I mean, even if there's a run, one of those yeah, quarterbacks yeah. I think is going to be there, whether it's Pickett or Ritter or Howell or uh, Coral, like we haven't even talked about him that much. You know, well, I think I one of those guys is going to be there and they're going to have to figure out whether that's worth it. I, Everything that they've done to this point and everything that they've said about Jared Goff leads me to believe next year is the time, but I don't know. I, do have to, has anything changed for <laughs> yeah, you? I know yeah. we went through that a lot in the mock. Like we were talking back and forth right, about right. quarterback there, and that's been a spot. You know, Dane Brugler keeps giving them QB at 32. I think Bruce Feldman just did it for us. Uh, mm-hmm. Todd McShay did it, I think. Like it's just in a spot where 32, it makes a lot of sense if you want that extra option. On the rookie yeah, yeah. contract, that's the it, spot where you do it, right? It is the spot, but like you know, you talked me out of the quarterback when we did the mock, which was you know, which <laughs> right. is perfectly fine yeah. because like you still might not like one of those guys, and that's the most important point to make. Like if they don't love one of those quarterbacks that make it through, like if it's um you know Willis, as I think most of us expect him to go in the top ten, if if it's him in the top ten and nobody else, and there's still somebody there at thirty two they don't love the guy well then that suddenly becomes a pretty tradable pick because i just did um a live we're doing like a live mock draft blog thing like every day we're updating stuff like or whatever so i did a thing where i recapped all of the beat writer mock drafts right like i went through everybody's uh entire situation and, and how it all you know sort of uh plays out and it was like how many teams did i come across that were like we're gonna trade with the lions at 32 it was like five <laughs> five of the beat writers were like we're gonna trade with the lions that's it yeah it's easy and draft the quarterback and it was like like michael sean did it with the seahawks um cat Gerald did it with the Sa- i she talked about it with the saints but she didn't i think uh ben standing uh traded down with washington so like i mean it was <laughs> to steelers i think traded down so like that was it's on the mind of all these teams that uh, I think you know, no one really knows what the Steelers, Saints, Falcons, um, you know, Lions, too, think of all these other quarterbacks outside of Willis. And I think that's what makes this interesting. So back to the original question, like, yeah, it's the spot if you love one of these quarterbacks. But if it's not, man, like, this could be – we talked about this, I think, last week or something. But, like, maybe even building this draft. But it was like this could be a pretty valuable pick now all of a sudden. Yeah. I agree. Um, we got a ton of questions in the chat already. Yes, yes. We got one uh, one person waiting to get on here. Do you want, yeah, you want yeah, to try that out and just uh, give people a taste? You want to talk to us, uh, raise your hand or whatever it is in the app there. And we have one in, in there already. Gurley uh, is in. So, Chris, you can yeah. let Gurley in whenever. And then, um, but yeah, if you have a question, put it in and we'll get a notification in there and we'll get going. But yes, otherwise, fire away. 
Let's see if I can do this without hanging up on everyone in the chat. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, Check. That should be good. All right. <laughs> Did that work? I don't know if that worked or not. No. Click the chat. Nothing happened. Keep telling me. Yeah, you're I got it, I got it. yeah, why don't you give it a shot? There As expected. Girl, are you with us? Might have bailed. Might have bailed. <laughs> okay. How about we'll try again? All right. Well, again, if you want to, uh, we think we can get you up here to talk to us. Um, Eric, so, Eric, are you with us? Are you talking to me right now? Eric, yes. Are you with us? We just we just jumped you ahead of the line. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so this is the first time I use the app. This is great. Um, and I missed the beginning, so I didn't know what you all said about um, Malik Willis and whatnot. But I got a funny idea that I want to stick with golf for a while and ride it out. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your your gut feeling, or is it just hard to tell? Um, so I think that what we talk about, like, for a while, like, define – okay, so define for a while. Like, what does that mean when you say that? Well, I feel yeah. like Garrett Goff is basically a cooler Kirk Cousins. Sure. sure. So like you're getting sure. competent yeah. play there. Right. So you're th- when you say for a while, you mean like five, six years? Oh, no. I'm talking about like this season into next season. If they can get a good QB next year, they'll take a look at it. But they're not going to yeah. they're not going to mortgage the future or do the trade route like everybody else is doing now. In that sense, and I think, that, yeah, I think Chris and I would both say that, yeah, we would agree with that. Because that's what it feels like right now. It doesn't. They still, like, we talk about all the spots and all the stuff they can do it too. Like, there's still so many things um, that they need and so many good players uh, with those two picks, even in the, even at 32, if they wanted to just sit and pick. Like, we picked uh, Brisker, who's a really good player. Like, even if they wanted to do that, right, Chris? I mean, yeah. like, I just think there's too many other things. I don't know, Chris, if you had more to add to that. But, like, I definitely think that Goff is here for this year and maybe even next year too, um, I would say. But beyond that... And I don't know if next year would be guaranteed necessarily depending on how all things went this year, but yeah. I I think that's the thing. Like, I think he's, we've talked about it all along that he was here for two years. And then the first seven or eight weeks happened last year. And we were like, well, I don't know if we're going to make it two years on this thing, but the way he finished the season brought us back to where we started, which was, this was always a two year commitment next year's when they can start looking at getting out of the contract if they want, but I don't think they have to, if they want to bring in a young quarterback, we know they want to draft they prefer to draft and develop a guy instead of putting him in, you know, week one as the starter. And I think that's, I think that's at least going to be Dan Campbell's priority, even if they take like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Like, I don't think he wants to draft that guy and say, all right, you're the starter on May 1st. So I think it makes a lot of sense to stick with golf. And, and like you mentioned, Eric, like we've, Nick and I have been talking about that too. It's become more of a thing for quarterbacks to get traded here. Uh, and so you look around, like, I don't know who, like, Kyler Murray, maybe? Like, I don't know who it would be next offseason, but that yeah, possibility you never know is kind of in the back be in the draft next year either. You know, right. I mean, you never, who's going to be the next Joe Burrow or something. But quite frankly, I mean, what was the Lions rank in defense? 30th, 31st, 32nd? They got to get that. They got to be right. middle of the pack to make the whole team play complimentary football. And I think that's what people are losing their minds on with Malik Willis will be the next, you know, Josh Allen, but like, you know, I, I think he's going to be try Tyrod Taylor, but maybe faster. Well, even if he would be the next Josh Allen, let me pose you this. Like if he is the next Josh Allen and you have a, like you just said, if you have a, nothing around him, 
then it doesn't do anything. We just saw that for the last like dozen years with Stafford. With Stafford. <laughs> like, Good point. If, if he is the next Josh Allen tomorrow, um, are you ready for that? And I think that like that's still the question, right? That like we talk about so much. It's and and it becomes with Willis. I think it, it would have to be like you just cannot pass him up. It would have to be like generational career. Like we have to take him. Like we don't have like, any choice, right? And I'm not yeah. sure about that. You know, at this point, I think it lines right, up right. a lot too with. Um, just sort of the whole approach that they've had Brad Holmes has had here. Like it feels like the free agency approach and the quarterback approach are kind of similar where they're just trying to get to a spot where they feel like, okay, let's we're we're ready to go all in now. Like that's where it feels like it's building toward for me. And I, I don't think they, I think they like Jared Goff. I don't think they have any illusions that he's going to be an all pro quarterback for them. So you, eventually you've got to find that guy to help get you over the top. Eventually you're probably going to have to make a couple splashes in free agency, but they really wanted to spend these first couple of years doing what we've seen them do, which is just establish the culture, get competitive, make sure there's not any like glaring holes on the roster as they move forward. And then you can kind of reassess when you're not desperate to do it. So I think that that's, yeah. Sort of where they're it's, at. It seems like the NFL's like kind of starting to migrate towards the NBA, where everyone's like, I mean, I bet you Tyrone Matthews is going to sign with the Rams just so he can get a ring. I mean, everybody's just, all these older talent are clustering to that. Okay, who's got the best shot? And it's going to be the haves and have-nots. Yeah, it'd be harder to do though, you know, with the money. Like that's oh, that's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just it's I totally see what you're saying, but like because like Wagner and everything else too, right? But like gonna take discounts like that's and that becomes complicated so yeah this is a draft they have to go through the draft the free agency and everything else is not really yeah but if matthew signs with the rams do i get like a two-year free subscription or something just because i called it earlier he called it yeah that's right maybe you want to uh get with the bosses i did call dj shark back in december so i'll say that (laughs) thank you guys appreciate it we're gonna leave you and head on to uh, our next one here, Chris, ready for an elbow? Let go of Eric. There you go. And Robert Z is coming on the stage now. All right. There you go. Robert, are you with us? Yes, Robert, are you there? Awesome. Thank you for having me. So I am a current Notre Dame student, so you probably know where this question's going. <laughs> Kyle Hamilton, uh, pretty good football player, seems to have a lot of talent. And earlier, like before the combine and stuff, people are saying maybe he's the best prospect in the draft. And now people in mock drafts have him falling to the Steelers in like the late teens. So I was curious if you can give some insight, because I know Brad Holmes works for the Rams. And in particular, they don't care much about 40 times, which has been sort of the motivation for this. Do you think there's any chance the Lions have their eye on him at two or thinking of moving down to maybe get him or – are there just other players that play a more impactful position they're interested in? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. We Nick and I actually were just talking about Kyle right, Hamilton right. this morning because, as Nick mentioned, he's looking around at the other mock drafts the beat writers have done across our yeah. site, and nobody took, nobody took him in any of those drafts. And so you're sort of looking – I mean, I think we both agreed that, like, the Giants maybe would make sense. The Jets have those two picks. But I – Right, right. I don't. I don't know. It's. It is. That's the conversation. Can you take a safety at two, just knowing sort of how that position is valued in the league, and knowing, I guess, too, how the Rams and Brad Holmes have kind of approached that position, which is, uh, I think they're pretty confident that they can find someone 
round three, round four, or round five who can step in and play. But at the same time, <laughs> I mean, we've been splitting hairs about these edge rushers and, you know, even talking exactly. ourselves into offensive linemen the one time when we did the mock. And it's Kyle Hamilton. He He's at least like a top five guy in this class and maybe yeah. a top one guy in this class. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's like, does Kyle that Pitts. change it? It's, it's Kyle Pitts on, uh, on defense, right? Like, it's the same thing that we talked about last year in a different package and yeah. people are freaked out about the position and it's the same for the same reason. Like when I went through everyone's mocks, you know, and it's like, they're not going to take, you know, a lot of people, a lot of them are like, should I take a quarterback? Should I take this? And if that's the conversation for some of these franchises, like if they're in a spot where like a safety is not going to be something they can sell, like, you know, like that's going to be maybe problematic. So I get all that, but he's going to fall that far. Like Chris and I were talking, we were talking earlier and I said, I don't think it's, I don't think he would make it past the giants in that scenario because I just, all the things he gives you um, as a back end hybrid. And I hope people start looking at these guys like Isaiah Simmons. We talked about him just a couple of years ago, you know, with the lion from the lion standpoint here, you know, when it was Okuda, uh, Derek Brown, Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, Tua, Herbert, those guys. And Simmons was the option because you could put him at safety free or strong. He could play stack linebacker, which he's doing now, um, and maybe even corner. And, like, I, I think Kyle Hamilton is what he is. And so I look at him as a possible, like, four-position player. If you're trying to rebuild your team, like the Texans, my God, they could do all sorts of things with him, right? So it's it's um, a great question because he's a terrific player, and I just don't think he's going to fall that far. I think he's one that probably people are staying quiet on, too. You know what I mean? Chris, would you agree with that? Do you think people are probably mm. staying quiet? on him like just purposefully at this point like not yeah that's interesting yeah i could see that's possible because i think the two ways you go with it are either no one talks about him or you get what's happened with thibodeau where you just hear Everyone the chat the mutterings like right. oh this guy doesn't like football <laughs> at all and, and you know that's coming from people who want him to slip a little exactly. bit so yeah. yeah i think that makes sense i i will say i already mentioned that Holmes and the rams maybe they would wait on safety just to your point um Robert there about uh, the 40 times. I don't think the Lions care much at all about 40 times. They're all about the play speed and the GPS speed and all that. And uh, Kyle Hamilton certainly plays faster than what the 40 time would indicate. The other thing that has jumped out to me listening to Holmes talk the couple times he has this offseason is um, how much he mentions challenging the scouting staff to rethink how they're going about things, you know, it, that whole idea of just because it's, we've done it one way in the past doesn't mean we need to keep doing it. Safety hasn't been a premier position in the draft before. Right. Right. But in the modern NFL, if you don't have at least two like game changing safeties, you're in trouble. And so I think that there at some point is going to be a shift here where we see the value of that position go up. So maybe are you the first team to push that value? Maybe you're the team that changes things there. I don't think we can completely uh, yeah, rule yeah. it out. I mean, like, okay, so teams are not playing the, you know, the single high stuff anymore. We're, we're seeing more two uh, of the split stuff. And, you know, and you could argue in that sense, maybe safe, you know, maybe it doesn't make the value of the position go up. But I still think, like, it is the one, it's like center on defense. It's like the most underrated and underappreciated spot. You know, uh, on, on Chris and I watch so much college football, right? And, you know, Robert's coming in from a Notre Dame standpoint. So, like, we watch so much college football. And how many times, 
Chris, on a Saturday, if you watch 20 games, would you say you watch, you see a safety that knows how to tackle and fit a run play? <laughs> it's out of 20 not, games, you probably not many, man. Yeah. And like Robert's on the line here. Robert, you're a Notre Dame fan. Like, I'll ask you, how many times did you see Kyle Hamilton wreck stuff in the flat, in the box, everywhere on the field, all the time, physically? He, he's just got an uncanny ability to know where the ball is going and make the play. Right. You know, there were a couple missed tackles here or there, but on a run play, if Kyle Hamilton's not there, it's a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that's value. You know, like, that's – like, Lewis Seen is the kid from Georgia that I think we both like a lot, and, you know, he really – he fits the run super well. And Daxon Hill, I think, at Michigan has a chance to be like that. But, like, those are rare traits in college safeties and, like, the guys that are coming into league now and their requirements. Will Harris is, like, the great example where it's, like, in college everything looked good. And then you get to the league and it's, like, this isn't an option, man. You have to fit the run at safety. You can't just, like, soar to do it or miss sometimes. Like, it's so important. You're, you're like, another linebacker with the way defenses are run now. So, um Hamilton is a fascinating case. If the Lions were to be able to trade down, I think that's like, right? Like that's like the money yeah. spot. If they, were, yeah, he would be in play. Yeah. With how they built this defense too, we keep talking about needing like uh, you need an athletic linebacker or whatever. I think their safeties cover a lot of the stuff we're talking about with linebackers and sub packages and all that. Like that's what they expect their corners to get down down there and tackle. They expect their safeties to cover up a ton of stuff and play at the second level and all that. So. Yeah, I mean, if you can get a guy like Hamilton, that's why I can't rule him out. Seen is the other one. Like he, he's got that like, uh, like Louis Delmas. Like yeah, I'm just right. going to hit yeah. you, and I don't care if I'm out for the next four weeks. I'm going to hit you as hard as I can. Yep, like yep. he's got that mentality. Yeah. So I, I would say Hamilton just on the, just on the basis of his talent alone, stacked up to the rest of his class, you can't rule him out at number two. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you. This this was a a much deeper answer than I expected, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's what we're here for, Robert. Appreciate it. Let's. Thank uh, you, you want? We got. I want to get Gurley back in. We got. Uh, we got okay, him back on yeah, there. But uh, let's hit a one or two of these questions in the chat real quick. The first one up was from uh, Zach G. Was who are the most realistic trade partners for the Lions to move back from two? Uh, and are the Saints in play? Which I think we've gotten a few questions about now that the Saints have did. Whatever they did the other day, for, and have sixteen and nineteen, and maybe could go up for a quarterback. So, uh, I'll ask you that first about the Saints. Do you have any uh, any idea what the plan is there? Like, do you think that that's that's the plan yeah, yeah. to yeah. package that to come up now for a quarterback? I mean, I no, I mean, I don't really think that. Uh, but like we were talking about this yesterday, it is pretty early to be freaking out to try to jump one team at 16. Because that's what they did, right? They jumped the Chargers. Like that, like, because I had a Saints fan, like, come at me and say, like, well, I totally understand what they're doing. They're trying to, they have to jump the Chargers to get the tackle that they want. I'm like, okay, like, what? Like, it is April 5th or whatever it was at the time. Like, what are you talking about? Like that, I I don't get it. Like that to me still is a head scratcher because now I would question, is it, um, you know, would a quarterback be in play? Because I don't know what the value chart says, but I mean, the Saints would have enough to get up there if they want to get up there. Would two be where they want to go? I don't know. Like, I, that's the question that we've had with Willis and the quarterback thing the whole time. You know, where would you want to trade? And I don't think it would be two. So, like, Lions trade partners, to me, are not quarterback specific. They're almost, to me, I, I think I've come around almost and see if you agree. 
Like, if you want to trade the pick, it's because somebody wants Kayvon or Hutchinson or Walker. Or a tackle. Or one or, of the tackles. Yeah, or Evan Neal or Icky, Icky or something like that. Instead, Yeah, yes. If they want one of the tackles and they're afraid Houston, right? So, and the Jets or somebody else wants to come. You know, like, I don't know. Like, that would be what I've kind of wondered about. I don't know. What do you think about that? Because the quarterback, to me, a quarterback – if the Lions are going to trade with a team that wants to draft a quarterback, I think that's 32, not two. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Well, I mean, the only thing I would say is that I think it depends on – I mean, it obviously depends on what quarterback teams want, but Carolina is the one that I think you need to get in front of if you yeah, want to have obviously. your choice of quarterback. And so right. that's six. So are you coming up to two to make sure that Carolina then doesn't – Go back on top of you, maybe. I mean, I think you could see that. I think we also, I mean, I think Carolina's probably a trade partner just to make sure that they get their guy. That's right? not, uh, you're right. I mean, like they are all there. Or Seattle, I guess, at nine. Um, well, I think I think Carolina really likes him. I think that seems to be sort of the put like their entire franchise out there at Liberty. I think that day, right? Like I think yeah. they like him a lot. So yeah, that's not a bad. That could be. I, I don't know. I, I mean, guess, this, I haven't thought about that. The Saints, to me, I agree. I think there's got to be – either the Saints just wanted an extra crack in the middle of this first round or there's something else coming because I think I, – I agree with you. I don't think you give a team three weeks to react to you. And I saw that too. Um, yeah, I think our buddy Dan Orlovsky was talking about it on ESPN yesterday too. I mean, like, you got to fill time. They, they want to make sure they get their offensive tackle they want. They're like, okay, well – the Chargers now have three weeks that. to go up <laughs> one spot. Uh, okay, I, I don't think that's the play. What they said to people yesterday when they did it and what they're actually doing are, are completely two different things. Right. So clearly they told people we're trying to get, jump the Chargers to get a tackle, which is like nonsense. That doesn't make sense, right? Yes, I I would not rule out the quarterback situation for the Saints. I don't know because they could go either way, right? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> what the hell are doing? I know what I, Billy's doing. That made that was a kind of a cool trade from Billy's standpoint. But yeah, I mean Carolina's the one for me that I think Fred Holmes makes that call and just asks them if they want to come up, make sure they get their guy. Maybe you call. Yeah, Seattle, yeah. Probably talk to Seattle. The Jets and Giants have the two extra, have the extra picks. Um, those are the big ones. I mean, I don't. Philadelphia just traded out. Otherwise, I mean, they still have two in the first, but I don't think they're coming up now for quarterback after trading away one first rounder. So those are the big ones early. And then New Orleans, like Pittsburgh to come from 20 to two feels like too much to me. Um, Yeah, that's a lot. That's a big, big fall. So I think you're looking in that, like Carolina is the one that I keep circling because we know how badly they want a quarterback. And so that's, if you don't want a quarterback at two, I mean, that's it, right? <laughs> Team, right. We've seen what teams will pay for quarterbacks. And you just draft. saw last year, we saw what the Bears did, right? Like we saw, and they shook up the whole thing when they jumped up there. And, and Carolina doesn't have uh Carolina picks at six and then 137. So I think you'd be talking about six and a future first there. And the so, Lions would be like, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you take that. Right? Like, so, yeah, no problem there. Uh, that's, yeah, that's definitely interesting. I I guess I hadn't thought about that, but it's also like team be willing. It just depends on what kind of assets they have. But, yeah, like you said, we've seen what teams are willing to pay here to go get a guy that they, that they want. I mean, how many teams? I think there's seven teams, eight teams that don't have a first-round pick this year. Yeah. yeah so, you know, like, I mean, that's not nothing. So, uh, 
Yeah, I wouldn't rule out anything, but like it's it's hard to say who's an obvious trade partner. It always never ends up being the obvious trade partner anyway, right? It never ends up working out that way, right? So, Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, all right, let's. Uh, you want to bring in Jeremy G here up to the stage? Sure, sure. He's waiting in the line. Let's see, Jeremy, Hi, we got you. Hi. Um, oh, how do I work this? Jeremy. Hi. Um, I have a question. What would yes, be sir. the most ideal um, D line draft or front seven draft you guys can think of? Like total draft? Yeah. Total, like yeah. I see what you're saying. Like building the best Super Bowl level front, just the rival. Like we're pretty set, like top five unit of O line maybe next year. But what do you think for D line? Like building that. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're in position to get a terrific edge player. That is the hardest thing, you know, as, as we all know. And you know, I think Brad Holmes said it at the at owners' meetings, right, Chris? Like it's still you know one of the most premium spots on the field. Um, it's one of the most game changing playmaking uh you know spots where you have to have an athlete so i think that you're you're in position to get a great one there um and actually you know thought about you know would they want to come back later in the draft and you know because there's always a couple of defensive tackles that are really talented that seem to slide and i've wondered you know would they would they with some of the extra stuff want to maybe use one in the fourth or fifth or whatever i don't remember where they all land but like would they want to take one there or take a swing i don't know if chris has difference of opinion there, but to me, I, I've wondered that, like, because if they're very close to being dominant on the offensive line, like if, if they think they're close to being great on the defensive line, maybe just go ahead and finish it and double up because you could double up in a couple spots this year and nobody's really going to complain. So, you know, I wouldn't hate that. Well, I, I mentioned in our, when we were going through our mock, like I brought up, I think it was at 32 or 34 there. Very right. free for Oklahoma. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know that if we're talking about to just to this question specifically, if you're talking about building, you know, a front that is going to hold up for the next few years as you get into contention here, you still need even if Onzerike becomes what you think he can be and McNeil starts to pass rush a little more, I think you still need one more interior presence and definitely one more guy 
who yeah. get yeah. to the quarterback on the inside. Like that is, that's the type of thing. Every everybody talks about needing an edge rusher, but if you don't have an interior guy who can generate some pressure, it almost doesn't matter if you have a great edge rusher because you everyone's just stepping up right, in the right, pocket. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, yeah. you need a guy in the middle there too. So to me. I mean, I think even in by round three, you could come back and get. I don't know if it'd be Winfrey or, or one of those other guys in there, but I mean, this is a this is a pretty good defensive tackle class too. Um, and so I think you could find someone early to pair with an edge guy at two and and feel pretty good about what you got moving forward with, uh, you know, yeah, Ontario Gay and McNeil and Romeo, hopefully coming back healthy for him. They love Julian Alcora like that. At that point, you're feeling pretty good about what you have. So, and you really could because I think we've talked about you know, that extra pick that they have always ends up being like the you know we look at it as like this you can just do whatever you want with it the extra your spoiled pick you know you, you, if you're disciplined to take the the need picks with the ones that you're given you get the extra pick and do whatever you want with it like and we always look at that and say like maybe they'll take a receiver maybe that's where they'll jump up and if Christian Watson's there at 34 maybe that's what but maybe that's where like the Christmas point maybe that's where and you know because Jeremy brought that up the offensive line is so close to being dominant if you want to get the defensive front to be that, you know, somewhere in that neighborhood too, they're probably not that far off or I don't think they think they're that far off. I guess it's probably um, the answer there. So I wouldn't, yeah, that wouldn't be shocking at all. Or like Logan Hall. We Logan Hall. Him at some point too. Like he'd be a second round, like yeah, interior like, rush guy. So I don't know what you got anyone, Jeremy, that you like. Um, I wonder if Ojabo would be there at 32, but uh, Warren Sharp's people, uh, the one mark, mock I saw, he, the Bucks were taking about 27, so I, Ojabo. I'm not sure who I'd want, um, but um, I kind of think they they might want to trade it if trades up for quarterback, so I'm not sure. What That's do you a, think about Ojabo, Chris? Do you have a range on him that you like, uh, or you think here, uh, if you've settled on one? Man, I don't know. I, it's so hard with an injury like that. I think Dane was yeah, saying, yeah. like, what, mid-second, something like that made sense. But I, 34, yeah. like, we talked about him, too, in the mock, because I think, like, his timeline sort of fits what the Lions' timeline would be, right? Like, you don't necessarily exactly. need a guy to – if you, especially if you're taking an edge at two, you don't need a guy to step in and, and be dominant right away. Yeah. You could develop a guy you could have – I mean, you could they, take they, two, two years out uh, of Cabo and then jump uh, in. Uh, on um, their pod, um, Dane's pod, you mentioned two years uh, compared to what they think the indie uh, comparable guy that just had an unfreak action. Um, oh, they think it's injury. a longer, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, I mean, could, how, how do you think the compatibility of Jabo and Walker would be if they went back-to-back those guys? Because – I mean, if they they kind of redshirt Ojabo for two years, then you kind of make a decision on um, Harris because that's he's be the lineup perfectly with contracts. Yeah, Ojabo is fascinating because it was like it's a two years until he's ready to get out there and like run around and play again. Like that's more concerning. But like with those sets, I hate speculating on that sort of. And I know Dane's just mm-hmm. you know whatever he's told at that you know by doctors, but like. You never know, I guess, when a guy comes back, but it's like, I guess the biggest point is like, do anything right now, right? Like, I don't know what the, what the rest time is. I don't remember what Okuda's was, but he couldn't do anything for months. Like, I don't think he could do anything for several months. So David Ojabo could, in theory, like, 
like Jeremy's saying, this could truly be, you know, a redshirt year. If they're worried about extra time, you wouldn't have to rush any of that at all. If you could get him in the second round or somewhere in there, you know, that's super interesting too because – and we thought about him the other day. It's like if he was there in the third, but if he slips – because I don't think he's going to fall out of the third. He's not going to make it, I don't think, to Saturday. I don't think anybody thinks that. But, you know, like that's the greatest point because for teams that have time – He's a he's a really interesting player, and the Lions have time and a need there, obviously too. <laughs> How many yeah. more Achilles injuries can you deal with oh on God. this roster, though? I don't know. That's a I, mean, I guess I guess they know what they're doing. I guess the Lions yeah. know what they're doing there, but I mean, it's also that is a really tough one. Two years is generally, at least up to this point, in in sort of what Achilles injuries have been. It's what it used to be. Yeah, it's what it like. That first year is all you know. You need to rest and then have the surgery and then rehab and all that. So you basically lose a year, and then the second year. It never really looks quite like it's supposed to. And so by that third year, then you're ready to go. That's generally the, been the accepted timeline. I think yeah, we've yeah. seen it speed up now. You know, obviously, like, there have been some guys who've done it a lot faster than that. Okuda's already looks like he's out running and, and probably will be ready for at least some of the offseason program. So maybe you could speed it up a little bit on a job. But he's also the, – the other tough thing with him is – you you weren't gonna get even if if he came in healthy you weren't gonna get a finished product like that's right. gonna be a little yeah. while development yeah. wise so that's a tough, no I mean it was it, he was gonna be a hard sell for anyone who took him in the first round right like, when we were talking in like the fall and his name kept popping up about and people and you know to be clear David Ojabo would still be at Michigan if uh, if you could if those kids could make money. That, you know, because he's from, you know, he's not from the United States. So his visa or whatever doesn't work out. They were, he was going to make enough NIL money or whatever to, not to break your heart, Chris, a little further here. But anyway, like, <laughs> he was going to be a risky guy if you took him at like seven because, or eight or whatever, when we saw it back in like the fall. Because if you're one of these desperate teams that needs a guy to come in and make an impact and you have to sell that to your fan base, like, that wasn't going to happen. Like, I, <laughs> he might have, he might have. You know, caught on later in the year. I made some plays, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, man, you know, it was not, he was not going to thrash around and be like, you know, holy shit, it wasn't going to be like that. It was going to take a minute. So, yeah, I mean, he's still very interesting to me, for the Lions especially, and for a lot of teams in the Lions spot, for sure. I don't know how far he's going to fall, but I don't think it'll be that long. Appreciate the question, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, Hit a couple more in the chat here. We got one more. One more guy waiting in the audience room here, but yeah, let's go back to uh, let's see. Uh, with so many uh, from Ryan B, with so many storylines going on with the Lions this offseason, which one is the most intriguing to you and why? Or is there one that's underrated? Um, one more uh, in the weeds with that question, yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, I don't know if there's one that's underrated, but it's like idea that and it probably is underrated because it just sort of happened at once they kept the staff together yeah that was gonna be my answer too (laughs) yeah Yeah. like right like i mean it's the thing that you think about it for a beat and you're like oh yeah i mean everyone's still here and if we were talking we were at the senior bowl pretty sure aaron glenn was getting the saints job right or at least like of the mind that he was at least 50 50 on it yeah right and that was going to look very different with everything that they're doing and you know, Campbell was nervous that night. We talked to him about losing him, legitimately nervous. Um, and you didn't know if you were going to have Aubrey Pleasant either. And I think that those were very real. I know those were very real concerns um, within the building. And, yeah, that's probably it right there, right? Like, that might be the 
most underrated and maybe like in terms of the almost most, you know, the most important things they've done, like that's pretty up there, I would say on the list. Yeah. I mean, I would also say like this one just came up, but, and it's a little bit underrated, but I think getting the, uh, getting the draft to Detroit is a pretty significant thing. And I think, Mm um, you know, people are understandably critical of the owner ownership and the Ford family and of Rod Wood sometimes. Um, but I, we've been trying, you know, <laughs> but you and I have been telling people now for at least a year, like the, Sheila Ford Hamp is, it's different. Mm-hmm. Everything in that building is very different. And I think the league has uh, giving them the draft was sort of a tip of the cap to, um, to that. It's to some extent. I think, uh, I so, think that's a good point, you know, and I think we say it whenever it comes up, but it's, it's worth saying again, like Sheila, um, has done a really good job of. I don't know if they're going to win anything. I don't ever, either, but. <laughs> but she has done a good job of respecting, um, respecting the. Uh, you know, I don't even know what it is, but like respecting the work ethic, the passion, the dedication, um, and yeah. enthusiasm, and all the things that this group has brought here. You know, and I think that they have been so enthusiastic and sort of all in on, and you can see how hard they go. Not that the other staffs haven't, but there's a different sort of vibe here, and I. You know, it, it's clear that she feels like it's it's her end of the rope to hold. Like I've got to, you know, I I'm in this too, right? Like that's what it feels like to me that she's not just standing alongside, but she's made a point several times of saying like I would never, um, you know, I would never tell them what to do in terms of like who to pick or what to do this or you can't do that or right. this is not, you know, like I would never do that to them because I respect them too much. And um, you know, we know that Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell know that. And I think it's, and they have talked and Aaron Glenn has talked and other guys have talked about how important it is for the players to hear that. And the Lions have done uh, a lot of work. I think some, some of it has worked really well and some of it didn't like the Calvin thing was a bad, was a bad day, right? The Cal- when she came out and got booed, wow. whatever, you know, but they kept coming back and like, they've done a lot. She's done a lot to make it, make it feel different. I think for the players and, um, I- we yeah. have, I hope we get back in the locker room because I think that's, that'd be something that they could probably speak to, you know, like when we had more casual time with them. Because, I'll say, yeah, you know. quiet, like it's sort of, it, this definitely went under the radar, but when the NFL announced the draft to Detroit, they didn't announce, they didn't refer to her as Sheila Ford Hamp. Yeah, she changed They referred to her as it. Sheila Hamp. And I right, think right. she legit, like, she's not trying to, uh, like free herself from the family, but I think she's legitimately trying to establish her own yeah, sort of legacy right, right. here. So, yeah, and that, that's something that, that like that, not, not, I not. did a double take when they did that a couple of times uh, down at the league meetings. Let's that's do one more. Like, right? yeah. yeah. Isn't that sort of indi- a little bit of kind of symbolic of what it sort of felt like her vibe's been like, oh, she, hasn't sure. been per- she hasn't been perfect, but I don't think she was claiming she was going to be as she learned this, but like, she definitely has been like, I am going to do this the way I, think something should be done right like that's basically the most simple way we can say it is she was like i'm going to do it the best way i know how to do something not the way somebody else in the family said i you should do it this way and that's it and i think she's pretty much proven that with everything she's done to this point uh let's get back into oh you want to answer uh what was the best match from uh wrestlemania this weekend you got any thoughts on that oh one? god um, <laughs> before we get match. back bring someone else up on stage uh, unfortunately oh uh, because it's still bothering me that cody left uh aw because i'm a bigger aw fan than i am 
uh, WWE fan. Cody's match w- with uh, Rollins is probably the best one. Although, although Chris uh, Stone Cold came back. I don't know if you're aware. I of saw this. that. Um, That's all I got. That was the so extent of my Stone experience. Cold, this Stone Cold came back. I don't know if you know. I don't know how much your pro wrestling knowledge uh, zero, but none. he came back with Kevin Owens, who's awesome. Kevin Owens is really good, and they had a really fun um, thing on the end of the first night. And Stone Cold came out and did some stunt. He drank like fourteen beers. In the I saw that. That's how you treat him about that. Match. Yeah, <laughs> like or whatever. So he looked good, and then the next night Vince came out and they got into it. Vince, at like seventy-seven years old, also looked pretty solid. But in terms of an actual match. Um, were probably the best one. Hard to go against those guys. Right. As much as Cody annoys me. <laughs> but anyway, that's for another podcast. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a good one. That sounds like a live room. Yeah. You're right, yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, let's, let's, go to the audience uh, let's go to the audience. We got uh, Ron S. Uh, waiting here. Got you, Ron? Yeah. How are you guys doing? Hey. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, First time I've joined this uh, chat thing, so uh, appreciate it. I like it a lot. Um, and you guys do a fantastic job, especially with the podcast and whatnot. Um, one other thing I want to add on to the Sheila conversation, I think one aspect that people underrate is the whole sibling rivalry thing. Bill Jr. had his shot, and now she's it's getting true. her chance. You know? Yeah, I so. mean, that's not wrong. <laughs> that's not wrong. That is, I mean, I've definitely thought about that, yeah. Not wrong. Yeah. But my question is, um, one of your colleagues has said on his podcast that uh, he feels the linebacker room is done and that they probably won't be picking a linebacker before the third day. Mm-hmm. I have a problem with that. I don't <laughs> think they are done. Um, I, I know the, the, I know the team probably likes the linebacker room better than most of us fans, but I mean, if a Kobe Dean is sitting there at 32, I can't imagine that they wouldn't pull the trigger there. What are your guys' thoughts? Yeah, Chris, I don't think that you, I mean, you want to start this one? I don't think they're done. (laughs) I I mean, like that. I hope they're not done. I mean, like just objectively looking at the depth chart and looking at what it will be next year, even. Right. right. Like Jared Davis barely played last year. Are we sure? I mean, he's got a no guaranteed money. Anzalone's here on right, a right. one year deal. Uh, Chris Board's never really played. I mean, he's a special teams guy, more or less. Josh Woods is a special teams guy. They don't have, beyond Barnes, you don't yeah, have yeah, really have anything. Him. So it's I think the same if, without a couple of you. Know. If, no, I think I it's, not, uh, now. yeah, he was mentioning Sean Dion Hamilton as well. Well, like, now. Problem with that too if they waited because there's so many good linebackers. But there's so many good linebackers. Right. So if they love a guy that they know is going to like be there and they want to take a chance, uh, you know, into day three, maybe that's. But like, or if a guy falls, if a guy that they like there falls or something. But there's a lot of guys up there that I, I you know, you'd hate to miss on because there's a bunch. I mean, you could wait up several times and still end up getting a pretty good linebacker somewhere in there well, you know, before I, right. day three. That's part of the challenge with what they're – I guess it's the pros and cons of where they're at as roster because we get down to that 32, 34, and you're like, well, uh, safety, yep, uh, mm-hmm. linebacker, okay, maybe corner, wide receiver. Uh, you just sort of go down the list, and there's like five or six positions you could justify there. So one of them you're going to have to wait on, <laughs> right? And right, right. linebacker, I think, like you're saying, I think certainly if as we're looking at it now, the uh, 
linebacker board seems like it's still going to be pretty good in round three, mm-hmm. maybe round four. But th- there's a big gap between where they're picking in round three and then their next spot. But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I agree with you on Dean. I mean, I think that Quay Walker was a guy who I think was there when we were doing our mm-hmm. mock. Um, there are players at that position. Uh, I think we did. We take Chad. Uh, we take Muma the one yeah, time. Well, the we did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like so. I it's certainly. I like him a lot. I, like him yeah, a lot. I actually saw him play last year, and he really. Uh, yeah, he I mean, I just think I don't know. I, Troy Anderson, I really like. Um, a ton of took, them. The kid from LSU that just got a spinal injury or whatever was really yeah, good. Yeah, Clark. Too. We took the yeah. Wisconsin kid in Armock this time. I mean, oh, yeah, you, so you can yeah. go down. And, but I think to the point, like, that's what you're weighing. Are you taking one of those guys who you're saying, all right, he's probably going to be playing a ton for us right away? Or do you wait and maybe get, like, like Brian Asamoah or Darian Beavers or one of those guys on, like, day three, late day two. I don't know. I, I, my I short would really answer, hate to miss out on the top. My short answer is I don't yeah, think yeah. they can afford to be done there. Yeah. Like, I I almost – it doesn't feel – linebacker doesn't feel that much different to me than safety, frankly. Like, they have Walker no. at safety, who you know. So they're maybe, maybe they're one step ahead at safety because you know Walker – it's a guy who can play at this level. You're still trying to wait to find out on Barnes, but either way, like you have one guy and then a bunch of question marks. And so I think that they've got to throw some, some bodies at that position at some point. Yeah. And yeah. even, even with safety, it's like, and Walker, and you know, he's a more of a longer term guy than Anzalone is going to be, but there's no promise. You're going to talk about Will Harris now. Everyone's going to no, get Tracy. Always like, talk no about promise. Will Harris. Yeah. <laughs> there's no <laughs> promise that he's going to be here forever. So like, yeah. Yeah, man, like, totally. I think all that stuff is – but it all goes back to the same kind of thing like Holmes talked about. Remember when he made a little quip last year about waiting on a receiver? Like, it's all about how he stacks guys. And, right. you know, need is certainly a part of the equation. But I think that that's something that is hard for GMs and everybody like this to understand – or explain, I guess, because it's like – it's it, it depends on – up, I guess, or who you're not taking. And if there's another guy in their stack that they all sort of like love better than a linebacker, and that happens twice, because I think that's what happened last year. They ended up getting St. Brown, but like I yeah. think they passed him a couple times because they're like, we we are stacked higher on these other guys based on you know value of their position, what we need, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so a lot of that it's hard to sort of judge, but yeah, I think my long winded answer goes to the same thing as Chris was like, I don't think I would wait too many good players. Like Ron said, there's too many good guys. up Yeah. As we, uh, as we let you hop off here, Ron, is there anyone, I know you mentioned Dean and Numa. Is there anyone else that you like in that, uh, group? Oh Oh, gosh. (laughs) Where'd you start? (laughs) Yeah. A lot of guys. Um, yeah, certainly Numa is among my favorites and Dean. Um, the Wisconsin kid, mm-hmm. I think, yep. could Chanel, yeah. be pretty uh, – Chanel, thank you. Um, and even Quay Walker. Yep. Yeah. I kind of like him yep. quite a bit too. So A lot of good players in there. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank and you keep so up much. the good work. Thank you. Let's uh, pull our next one up here. I think we got uh, – let's see. Right. Justin Justin A. with us. Uh, yeah. Yep. How's it going? Pretty well. Thank you. Um, so – Kind of, I'm really obsessed with the NFL draft, have been for a long time, and uh, I feel like Same. this regime is <laughs> uh, has the luxury of having a longer leash, um, 
And so with that, when I keep seeing these mock drafts with us taking a quarterback, I feel like it's just such a, I guess with these older regimes, even with Matt Patricia, it's like mm-hmm. you kind of want to be super optimistic and believe that what they're doing is going to work. And my fear is they do take a quarterback. It kind of starts to clock. Um, it, and it, it kind of just shows that maybe these guys don't deserve the faith that we've kind of given them, um, even though they, you know, they're more exciting than, than past guys. But uh, with Goff, I mean, we have him for at least next year. And worst case, you know, if he plays like he did the first half of the season, we're picking at the top of the draft and we'll have our pick of uh, arguably a better class of quarterback. So I guess the conversation I wanted to spark was, you know, if a guy does slide at the end of the first round, like a, a corral or even like a picket, um, do you take him even though, you know, it, it seems resounding that we should wait and load up on defense and keep building the roster the way we have been? Yeah, that's what Chris talked me out of when we did the mock draft that we just published this week, 100%, was like, you know, unless you think that this guy is going to be ready, you know, Ritter or Pickett or whoever, unless you think that guy's going to be ready, you know, next year, basically, to be your dude, then, you know, what are we doing here? And, like, that's a great point because, like, unless – it's the same principle holds, I think, if you're taking a guy up in uh, in the top five as it is if you're taking him down there at 32. It's like if you're taking a guy, and like Justin said, you're starting the clock on the pressure and on everything else externally that you no longer can control. And they really can't control it now, but you have a better ability to sort of get your arms around it than you will once you get a rookie quarterback in here that everybody starts looking at, right? And every single jersey starts getting sold and everything else. And, you know, like, that's the ultimate point of, like, kicking the can as long as you can, uh, but also being, you know, sort of diligent and monitoring the whole situation. So, you know, I think Chris and I are both in this – we're sort of along the lines that, that you are, Justin, but it's a great question because that 32 spot is, like, the perfect spot to get a guy if you want a quarterback. But you have to love him because if – it, I don't know. I'll let Chris answer the same thing, but, like, for me, it's like – it's the same thing about taking a guy in the second round or in the third round. If you don't love him, what are you doing? Like, because at that, you know, like a quarterback, you only you know, play one. It's not like you're playing 10. So, like, you know, those are premium yeah. spots. And I still think that that kind of holds there for me. I I keep going back and forth on this because I think if we were talking about getting Pickett or Ritter at 66, I'd be all for it. Like, I think mm-hmm. the issues that – I feel nervous using a first round pick on when there's so much other talent at that spot and you know Ritter I don't know about the accuracy picket like there's so many examples of him running himself into trouble out of the pocket like it's just stuff that's going to be tough to clean up at the next level the problem with not taking a quarterback and I'm going against myself here in what we did in the mock is obviously you're kicking the can down the road every year you don't take a quarterback is another year where you don't have your long-term answer at quarterback. And so, yeah, if Goff plays great this year, like the last six weeks of Goff from last year translates over, he plays that way this year. Then you go into next offseason and say, all right, well, Jared Goff's going to be our guy for at least another year or two. We built an offense that works for him, but we'll we'll deal with – we can figure out quarterback <laughs> when we fall in love with a guy and it lines up. If he is terrible this year and you go 6-11 and 11, – now you're kind of in a spot where you have to take a quarterback, right? Or you have to do something at quarterback. So I think that that's really the challenge that they're facing right now. Like it really, 
a lot of it boils back down to what they think of Goff, and I do think that they still like him enough where they won't feel pressured to take a quarterback this year, but that you need things to work out then because Tim yeah, Boyd yeah. is not your quarterback of the future. So you need Goff to play well this year to continue to buy you that flexibility to do what you want. Otherwise, you're going to get into the next offseason. You're going to be the Panthers where you're just like, well, give us anyone. Okay, give us whoever's there we will take. <laughs> well, I sure, think, I think we're also afforded yeah. the luxury, though, too, that, you know, it's not just, oh, we don't take a quarterback, so we're all in on Goff. The trade-off is, you know, you're picking at 2, 32, and 34. You know, l- let's just say, you know, for example, you take three guys on defense. You take a linebacker, you get an edge rusher, you get a safety, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, maybe Goff plays terrible and we only win, you know, three to six games, you know, but you're the, the roster is still looking really good to where, okay, now we have the draft capital to make a move and get a guy, whether it's Bryce Young or Stroud or one of the guys that, you know, the, that kid from Florida um, or, mm-hmm. you know, any of the other guys coming out, uh, you're, you're, it's not like you're passing on a quarterback and you're only making one pick one, you know, and then right. in a pick of the second, you know, and you still have problems later. You know, I, I look at like Seattle, like Seattle, you know, they like lock and they're committed to the run. So maybe they don't take a quarterback because they can kind of like how we were last year. They can get by for a year or two with lock, but, you know, they don't have as much extra draft capital in the next coming years. So what so what do they do? Like it, for them, it is much more kicking the can down the road for us. I mean, it's like, do you take a guy and tie your regime now to someone you're maybe not right. in love with? Just yeah. because people say you need them, I feel the same way about receiver. Um, or you know, just keep building the team, and then you have the luxury of making the move when you're ready to. I completely agree. I mean, that's what trading Stafford when they did gave them that exact thing. And to me, the, this whole thing is like if when Holmes and Campbell took the jobs that they took, <laughs> the whole goal of building the team to me should be like, hey, we need to just like push when we have to when we have to make a decision on a quarterback or when we have to be in a situation like we have to get a guy, let's just push that as, and maybe we'll never get there. Maybe we'll never get there, but let's push that as far as we can push it, as far as we can push it. And I think what Chris is saying, like, and Justin too, like that math, like hasn't changed certainly to a point where you have to do anything now, but like, we don't know, you know, like I, I do think in a lot of this, we were just talking about Sheila, I think she can she can sort of take a lot of the heat if they have a horrible year. If they're just awful this year and suck and can't win anything, and they might that might happen. And like I don't, yeah. people and people are like, I can't take this. Do something. <laughs> like I think she could handle it, you know, and be like, look, you know, we're we're on a plan. Like deal with it. But as we've talked about this whole time, like you come out of 2023, the 2020, and going into the 2023 draft or whatever it is, I guess. And you're not ready, like after that draft, to have something that people can look at and say that's a playoff team. Then you're in right. trouble. Right. You're in big trouble. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, most of my argument against quarterback at 32 or 34 or whatever is that Willis is the only one I see with the upside in this class to exactly to elevate yeah. a team to where it's going to need to be to line up with like when you look if you're if you're dreaming big and you're looking way down the road at playing like. Aaron Rodgers in the NFC title game or Josh Allen or someone in the, in the Super Bowl. I don't know that Kenny Pickett 
or Desmond Ritter. I don't know that those guys are going to be at that level for you. Willis, if you squint really hard and everything goes exactly right, maybe you yeah. can see it. But you'd have to take him at two. And so if you're not going to take him at two, I'd say you wait. Maybe you grab a guy on day three just to have a young arm in the building sure, that you sure. can – Maybe you strike gold on, but otherwise. And that's what I agree with. I think we should have a younger guy. You know, it doesn't hurt in the third or fourth round, but I feel like Holmes and Campbell, they're not sitting around like, hey, we're a quarterback away from being good again. They're they're trying to build this team. And I feel especially, like I said, as soon as the Super Bowl is over, even before that, like I've been looking at 2023, you know, prospects and whatnot, but uh the outside perspective, you know, you, uh, us, we follow the lines a lot. We know the team deep, but guys that that kind of have to look at everything, kind of just look at surface level. It's like, oh, well, they have golf. They need to improve. So you see a lot of mocks that right. are taking quarterback or, oh, they need receivers. But really, you know, we have a lot of young guys. It's actually a little bit crowded, and we need to see what those guys um, provide value-wise. So drafting a guy kind of crowds that room. I feel the same way in secondary. We have a lot of with the undrafted guys, Okuda, um, Malafanu, like you, we kind of got to see what we have there. So right. from a surface level, it's like, oh, they need to take these guys. But and so you just see endless mocks of quarterback and and receiver. But it's like it's not really what's important. And I think we're going to see that come the draft that they're going to rely heavily on stocking the linebacker room, the safety position, um, you know, and keep building that D line. It seems important to home. So we've talked so much about this too. Like I don't know if receiver will ever be um, draft important to Brad Holmes, like to a level of like that he's going to have to take one up at one. Maybe though, because he did love chase right last year. But uh, like, I think that it, again, I think it, it, he's hard to predict with some of that stuff, but I do think that they trust themselves to mine guys later in the draft. And, you know, they proved it last year again. So I, I think what is happening with the wide receiver market of late also pushes you back to the draft though, too. Like that's a spot where you almost need to be drafting guys because you like you need wide receivers on rookie contracts because when they're mm-hmm. off the rookie contract, you're and paying $20 million a year. So, um, And this is such a good wide receiver class that I could see them dipping in. And cornerback, you and I have talked a lot about cornerback, Nick. Like That is one where you look at the names and the, the amount of – bodies they have there especially now if they brought in Mike Hughes for a year and you say all right well yep, yep, you yep. can start Hughes or a Warrior and if Okuda's healthy or you can start uh, Melifanwu or you can put AJ Parker in the slot like you've got some options but that's another one where the long-term answers are not all that deep I mean Melifanwu you hope is one or a Warrior you right. hope is one Okuda you hope comes back and becomes one but it's all kind of cross your fingers right now. So I could see them going back to that spot again, just to have, uh, and that's where you could get, you could get a guy there who's not going to be at all ready to play this year uh, because you do have a little bit of a safety net, but I think that's a spot where they probably need to bring in someone this year or next year. And I also think to, to, I would add to Justin's point about not wanting to crowd the room, you know, especially at corner and receiver, you know, as we all know here, you know, we watch college football receivers are playing as freshmen far more than they ever did in, you know, back in the day uh, and back in the day yeah. being five, 10 years ago. <laughs> and they're not, <laughs> they're not only playing more, um, they're excelling um, because offenses are just more, you know, they're, they're designed. And that includes the NFL now. I mean, everything trickles up from high school up, as we know, 
and it's just a receiver friendly league and these guys are more ready to play. You can get better there faster whenever you want. And corners the same way. Because at this point, you know, I I watch enough and follow enough recruiting. All <laughs> most cornerback recruits are just receivers at the end of the line in the at camp and they say, You have to go stand <laughs> over there. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> go stand over there now and like learn how to play corner. So it's the same thing. Not to say that guys are a dime a dozen because there's always like special talents that come out of every position, but Brad Holmes knows this. You can get better faster at those spots way faster now than you could five, ten years ago. And that's why having a scout, like a college scout like that, running your front office, I think right now is a big deal because it he should know that, and I think he does know that. I think based on everything they do draft-wise, he understands that. Appreciate it, Justin. Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, good Thanks, uh, Let's, uh, we're at an hour. Do you got to get out of here? What's our timeline here? Uh, <laughs> you want to hit a couple of these questions yeah, in the chat real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, got a little more. Uh, yeah. um, so I want to get back to this one. Do you have any uh, guys, you know, quote unquote guys in this draft that you'd a little later, maybe beyond round one, that you'd bang the table for that you really like? Jelani Woods, uh, the tight end there uh, from Virginia. <laughs> is that and, what we're calling him? Is that what position we're calling him? <laughs> yeah, right. Whatever the hell he is. Ridiculous. Uh, the, the freak from Virginia or whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Uh, like, he is certainly interesting. Um, I think likely is the other tight end that actually just came up today that um, I don't know if his numbers came through today or he worked out or whatever. You um, like him. Know, but, yeah, he's a nice person. There's actually some, there's some linemen later. You know, I've become – uh, okay with maybe waiting a little later on some of these guards, like, um, you know, the, Zach Tom from Wake Forest is a nice player. Uh, I just watched his stuff earlier this week. And then again, those Baylor kids, I think all of those kids that we saw at the senior yeah. bowl are just like, you know, Woods and Petrie. But Woods is going to be there too. I think Woods will slip a little bit. And like, he's one that is hard to ignore. I mean, you could take both those guys, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Petrie's going to go early, right? Like, I assume yeah. he's going to be. I would think he's top 40, top 50. I mean, he's, he would be one of the guys for me, I think. And I don't know that they'll like 32, 34, maybe because he's just, we talked about needing a safety to do a little bit of everything. Um, And he's certainly in that, that mix. You like the kid from Miami too, that didn't get a combine invite uh, Weatherford when he was down at the, he was at the uh, senior bowl. There are, if you can get down to that safety group and be, feel pretty good. I like a lot. Probably not what Lions fans want to hear. I like a lot of the running backs who are going to go on day three. There are actually a lot. There's so many of them. Like locally, there's Haskins, but like Tyler Goodson, Pierre Strong. I really like the BYU kid, Algier. Um, That's a position that's pretty loaded up later in the draft. So, and I think like in the middle, like the kid from Florida, Pierce. Pierce, um, yeah. Awesome. James Cook, the other kid, the other running back from Georgia who I'm liking on. Whatever his name is, uh, like there's a ton of guys. And oh, Samir wonder, White, yeah, 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 White. I'm wondering though, running back three is sort of like making a return here, because, and I think it should be because we just got done talking about how the receiver market is completely out of control. Like some <laughs> of these running backs that we talk about now, like James Cook's a great example. Like, um. You know, he is going to be able to do a lot of things that we talk about with Swift in Detroit. Like when you draft him, yep. you know, you're getting a guy who can run routes on a corner and get open, right? Like, I mean, this is a different kind of football player and he can carry the ball. So I think that, um, running backs might not be a bad, might not be a bad thing, especially for a team like Detroit because 
I think you're always trying to keep yourself in position to have explosive players behind your line. Look, you didn't spend all that money and all that capital on this awesome line to have crap running backs that can't find a hole right behind them. So yeah. I think that it would stand to reason. And that's part of, we, we joke about Brad Holmes drafts a running back every single year because that's, you know, the Rams always did. But, you know, like if you're drafting versatile guys, like, hey, man, and there's a ton of them, all the guys yeah. you just mentioned, you know, so good call. Yeah, I think it is. It, that position's definitely changed for sure. Mm-hmm. What you're looking for there. We saw one of the uh, one of the new breed down the street at uh, Michigan Stadium on Saturday, right? That's right. A couple of that's them. Right. Uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that that's a position. That's another room. You look at you have Swift and Williams and now Craig Reynolds and like you've got some guys there for sure. But if you can find another guy who can get out there and give you more of a fall back to Swift and could play some slot or whatever and, and create yeah, the yeah. mismatches. I think, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there are some linebackers just an edge guys too, that I like later in the draft. Um, the, uh, Virginia tech edge guy, Amari Barno, I think is going to be a good player. Um, I like Darren Hansford, the linebacker from Texas A&M. Somebody asked about Nephi Sewell. We forgot to take, <laughs> we didn't take him in our mock. I got we called out. By my, my buddy called me out for not taking him. <laughs> We talked about it. We discussed it. We did have one more question about um, – I don't know if this if he's one of your guys or not, but we had a question about whether Wandale Robinson would be of interest to the Lions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, the offense he played in, number one. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I think that, you know, lends itself to a guy who would understand the deal here. You know, you look at the way Detroit plays offensively, and I – you know, I yes. I mean, I actually think as we sort of go forward – um, with our draft stuff, I think that that was something that I had written down for us to look at was like more guys like that. Cause there's a lot of them, like Vilas Jones, um, Austin from Memphis. We saw the senior bowl, like mm-hmm. um, guys in that mold that part of your run game can get open, you know, in the pass game and can just take pressure off of golf because he's still your quarterback. And, you know, and whoever your quarterback is in the future, the NFL is now and the way that you know these defenses every single guy is running a four four or four five or whatever your quarterback's third option has got to be like one two oh shit I'm in trouble I've got to get this thing to a guy that can run right now okay yeah right so you need guys like that and I, I just I think that the more you continue to sort of mine for those you know the better uh let me have one more here because I thought this was kind of interesting and then we got I think two more people waiting to get on and then we can wrap up here. Um, now I lost the question. Uh, it was, <laughs> uh, from Vinny C, uh, Chris and Nick, here's what I'm curious about. I feel the lions are always trying to win the culture trophy that too much of the time we prioritize you know, culture to the point we end up with a team void of high end talent. Uh, are either of you nervous that we are taking Tr- Walker or cave just based on culture? Uh, I think it's an interesting yeah, yeah. conversation. <laughs> but I would say, well, I mean, what else are you going to sell right now is the first yeah, thing I would say. Right. <laughs> and I think right. that's that's yeah. a big, big part of this, that um, they can't really speak to the Lions. And, like, it takes a little bit of, like, reading between the lines sometimes, I think, for people. And sometimes, you know, the average fan doesn't have to read between Why would they? Why would they? Right? Like, it, some of that is like you just don't have anything else to sell, and I think that you're you really are at the ground level of like, and it's true, it's not made up. Like, I think that people are getting too caught up in bringing back 
um, people that are upset or, you know, or, or, you know, in that line of thinking, bringing back Anzalone, bringing back, you know, Davis even, or guys like this and thinking that these are going to be guys that are just always going to be here. And it's like, no, like they're not always going to be, these are guys that are here for the immediate need. And this is a clean as you go situation. And, guys will come and go as, as things happen. That's just how this is going to go. And I think that as long as people keep that in mind, then I, you know, I wouldn't get too caught up in the messaging because, you know, part of the reason though, that it has to be there on the other side of this is the way Dan Campbell coaches. Um, and, you know, Chris, I know you can speak to this too, but, you know, I talked to people that played in the NFL with Dan Campbell and we talked to a bunch that played or, you know, for that story, but I've talked to a bunch of others since, and I have yet to run into a single one of them who thinks he's a bad dude or thinks he's whatever and thinks he's going to be anything but very good in an NFL locker room because they'll be like, I'll be, he'll quit before anybody makes him, you know, change his beliefs on how a locker room should operate. Yeah. And that's him. So it's like, if, if he is, if that's who he's about, then that's what your team's going to be about. And I think that, I think that has to be important to a level, but also like some people probably get caught up maybe too much into it. I, I mean, I think that part of this culture thing too is sort of two pronged for me. A is I think that realistically, I think it's a little tougher to get players to come to Detroit. Or it, is, it, is. it was, you know, I think it's, I think this regime is trying to change the perception of what, this team is and what, you know, that quote unquote culture is. But the reason, part of the reason that Trey Flowers got $500 billion contract <laughs> is because you had to overpay guys yeah, to come yeah. in here. Right. And so now I think you are getting to a point where maybe guys are coming because they see players sticking around because they're happy here. They like playing here. They like what the team's doing. So I think you could see a change there. And I think the other thing for me um, is that the more, solidified your culture, you know, quote unquote culture is your base is uh, the more opportunity you have to draft or bring in guys who might challenge that culture a little bit. If that makes sense. Like you can, like Thibodeau and Walker to me are different culture conversations. And and again, we've said like, not to say that Thibodeau is a, is a bad dude. I definitely don't buy the, narrative that he hates football or like doesn't care about the sport. Like, I think that's ridiculous, Uh, but he's a different, it's going to be a different challenge to weave him into a locker room. That would be Trayvon Walker. And you can go down to like George Pickens. People love George Pickens. That dude's nuts, man. But he's a great football player. Right. And maybe Aiden Aiden Hutchinson is not right. People think that that is, he's just a straight laced kid. Who's never going to talk about anything but football. Are you shitting me? Have you seen? Have you met his parents? Okay, like I think, I, no, right. like there's more to the product there. Yeah, go ahead. Continue. So no, I just that that was my point. I just think like if you have 35, 40 guys that you know are bought into the culture and are here because they believe in it and they've accepted everything about it, then you have more of an opportunity to bring in one or two guys who have a different personality and who will be. Uh, you know, just sort of shake things up a little bit in the locker room, as opposed to the last regime where those guys, those that's who got traded, that's who got right, traded right. out. Diggs gone, Slay gone. Like those are the guys they moved out, and you know that that's that's the type of player you want to bring in now. And so I think that if you have that culture in place that you trust and you know people are are bought in, you can take some more of those swings and yeah. not worry about what's going to happen. So. Uh, all right, we lost one of our folks waiting. Sorry for taking okay, okay. so long. Uh, but we got Miles here. 
smiling. Yeah, let us uh, bring a bring a hey, What's going on, Hey, um, thanks for doing this. I, I'm curious, how realistic do you guys think uh, it is that the Lions stay put at two and take either uh, Iki Aquanu or Evan Neal? Um, and I, oh, man. I asked because. <laughs> You know, I, <laughs> I know that the, the three top edge rushers, you know, aren't really seen as being like, quote unquote, elite, elite, uh, you know, prospects, at least in relation to, you know, uh, like a Chase Young or the Bosa brothers. Um, and, I, you know, obviously our, our line is a strength, um, but I mean, I think either Iquanu or Neil would be a upgrade over Vitae, I mean, especially Iquanu, he, you know, he's pretty versatile, and I know Vitae played better last year, but he still has that contract and can be inconsistent, and I don't know, I just think, like, you know, what's wrong with making a strength more of a strength, especially, mm-hmm. you know, when next year we potentially will be in line to, you know, select our franchise quarterback. Um, so, yeah, just curious yeah, I mean, yeah, if that's I... even possible. I, uh, it's like fascinating, super fascinating. And I completely, totally see what you're saying. Um, and there've been several days, Chris and I both agreed with this one. We actually <laughs> on that one yeah. at one point with Icky there at two or whatever. But yeah, I mean, like you, the, that's the great point. They are so close right now to having, I'm like, if you took a Quano, like you could have your future tackles for the next 10 years, right. and him and Sewell with, and he could be a current guard a future tackle when Decker's done, as we talked about, um, like insane with Ragnow and Jonah Jackson, like you could have the makings of what within two years or whatever would be the best offensive line in the league. And nobody would even argue with you. Like that's, right. that's what you're looking at. So like, I think that that should have to be on the table. I think that that should have to be something that's probably considered. I think, I don't think anybody would rule that out. I don't think the lions, if you ask them an honest moment would rule that out. But like the question there becomes like, need so much, extending in one area just to be you know to be elite in one area at the expense of somewhere else and that's kind of the thing where you know where I get kind of stuck on it and I I pivot more toward like well maybe take a guard in like the second round or third round if you want to do that because you could still do that and you could still take a really good player in the second or third round that could give you you know an all you know an awesome line really quickly here so it's definitely interesting and something we thought about a lot hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think just in terms of it's sort of going back to the Kyle Hamilton discussion, just in terms yeah, yeah. of how you stack up the players in this class, like Equanu, it, I mean, I don't know where he'd fall for you, Nick, but he's, he's probably five, five, right. Sure. <laughs> That's why if we put Equanu and Neil and Hamilton in the top five, you, you know, you're getting a sense for where the, the board's going to be. And then probably like Hutchinson and Thibodeau or Walker, depending on which edge guy you like, there's your top five. And so I think. Uh, just from that standpoint, you, you got to think about it. Ekwanu is supposed to come in for a top 30 visit. So the Lions obviously are at least kicking the tires there. Um, I don't know. I mean, the Decker, Decker, Decker got really mad at the media <laughs> at the end of last year for suggesting that he could be on the trade block. And I, I mean, I understand, I understand where he's coming from. Cause they, I mean, he's a captain. They've committed to him. He's got a big contract. Uh, he's certainly, when we talk about culture, like he's a guy that's been bought in. Uh, across multiple regimes now, but they respect a lot in that building. So I don't think he's going anywhere. He's going to be 29 this year. You sh- maybe yeah. get two or three more years out of him. 
that sort of lines up when the contract goes up. So um, I don't know. I, I do keep coming back to, I think that that might be too much after Sewell last year to throw at one spot on the field when you have, we just keep saying five, six positions that you need help. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, well, I'll ask you, Nick, because this is really uh, right up your alley, but like, mm-hmm. can you win? Can you get to the playoffs and the Super Bowl? Like, with an entire team built around the offensive line. Like, does that make sense? Like, do you, yeah. like, that yeah. be the ultimate strength of your team is the offensive line and you have issues everywhere else? Well, <laughs> I mean, we can define issues, but I would say to you that the 49ers did it. Yeah. Right? Like, they kind of did it. I mean, like, in some ways they did, in some ways they didn't, but they're, they did it based off their run game. They did it based off of, and I think that's what a lot of people end up looking at. It can't just be the offensive line. Like, they have playmakers and they have guys that complement the whole thing. But it's got to be more about your identity, I think, than anything else. And the, the, the easy answer to that is no. I mean, you can't, you can't just invest everything you have, you know, in five offensive linemen and then, like, have nothing on the other well, side. Well, right. Right. <laughs> right. But, like, at the same time, though, I think you can, I think you can get there with your identity being what they want their identity to be. And that is to be a team that runs the ball and, you know, runs the ball several different ways, not just not just the way that we used to think of it, like we're dedicated to the run. That means we're going to run three plays. That's it. We're just going to pound the thing over and over again until you wear out and get sick of it and then quit. Not that. No, it is. We're going to we're, we're dedicated to running the ball, but we're dedicated to doing it from a multitude of different angles with many different players and from all over the place with the best line in the conference or something, right? Like, I think that is the identity they're shooting for. And so I think you have to be careful with it. So you can't overcommit yourself. But, you know, like, that's why I think you saw them bringing him in for that top 30 visit, because it's like, I think it's something you have to, you have to certainly look at because they're very close to being, being really scary good up there, I think. And not just because, hey, that's something you could sell to fans and they'd enjoy it. But, you know, I mean, realistically for your team, it would be good. What do you think, Miles? Would you take him? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. And my, my reasoning is, you know, I, I think in football more so than other sports towards the top of the amateur draft teams tend to go for need over just mm-hmm. best player available. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm just thinking like if Holmes and their crew sees, Icky in particular as just the best football player that's available for them at the second selection. Um, like I, I get, I get what you're saying that you, you know, you can't, you know, pour w- like way too Everything uh, high of a percentage of your resources into a particular position group. But like, I mean, you know, we all know that or we've all seen in, you know, injuries happen on our O line pretty mm-hmm. much every, every year. Um, so, and Vitae, I mean, again, like he was better last year, but I mean, 2020, he was terrible. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I just, and Icky is a hell of a player, too. I mean, he uh, right. he reminds me of Sewell in, a, in some uh, ways, totally in terms of his, yeah. his strength and his leverage, and he's versatile, too. Like, um, I, I totally get what you're saying, but I just think, you know, if, if the Lions see. Icky as being like multiple tiers above 
exactly. You know, some of the other uh, line prospects that might be available in you know the second round. Then, I mean, hell, why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the point I make every time. Is like if that if they like him, then I would have no problem with that. And they took him if they were. And I think Chris, you would agree. Like if that's who they think is their guy, for all the reasons that Miles just said, plus like the thing we were talking about a minute or so ago, like this is a, this is like the same thing as Sewell. It's like a 10 year investment. This guy's going to be worth it. It's He's going to be here no matter what this looks like, no matter what you have to change or what, you know, variable pops up that you don't know about in two years or whatever, maybe, you know, he gets hurt or whatever, but like if something else changes that you have to completely change the direction of where you're going, he's a pillar. Like that's, that's still, that's still such a need right now as much as anything else. So, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't rule that out at all. And plus, like having a, a surplus of O linemen gives totally. them assets to potentially, you know, use next year for the draft to trade up and, you know, to give sure. themselves a better slot to get a chance at Young or uh, Stroud. So I don't know, just just an idea. But I mean, I think it's I think it said something that they're having Icky in for a visit. Like I don't think they would, you know waste right. their time or his time to sure. invite him in that it weren't gonna seriously consider him. I mean maybe that maybe so, but Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. That's it's it can't be ruled out, I wouldn't think. Appreciate yeah. it, Miles. Thanks. Thanks, Miles. All right. So apologies to everyone uh who we didn't get to in the chat or yeah, uh yeah. this is great. Got one one more raising their hand there. So uh we're we gotta wrap up here, but um Thanks to everyone who did hop in and listen. Again, sorry if we didn't get to you. If you want to hit us uh, with any follow-up questions or whatever on Twitter, um, I'm at Chris Burke NFL. Nick is at Nick Baumgartner. Um, we'll do I, more of these, too. I was going to say, we will be back yeah, to do yeah. these uh, since if people enjoyed them. I, I had a good time. We've been trying to do yeah, one for yeah, a while yeah. now. Great, so great. I think it, uh, like we should try it. Uh, maybe this is ambitious, but maybe we should try <laughs> some sort of a mock or something. It's, oh, yeah. A listener mock draft or something. Let people other than us make the picks? I kind of like that. That's not a bad idea. I think we could do it in here. I think that'd be fun to do. Yeah, let's try and get that going. What do we got? How much? We got three weeks to figure it out? Yeah, we got some time. (laughs) We got some time. Maybe in a week or two we'll figure it out. All right. So you can look forward to that, apparently. Uh, So, yeah. Maybe. (laughs) Thanks again to everyone for hopping in. You can get our podcast to one of these years is uh, on the app and all the other spots. You might listen to podcasts, so check us out there. And, uh any final thoughts here, Nick? No, I'm good. I appreciate everybody for jumping on. This was a lot of fun. I knew we would get people here at lunchtime. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know if people think this would be better at night. Chris and I have kids, so it's harder for us maybe in the evening. Yeah. But We, we push I mean, beyond lunchtime here. Yeah, maybe there'd be a night somewhere. It would almost have to be like later-ish, but I don't know. I don't want to commit to that. Lunch feels better uh, for these times. So, uh, yeah, appreciate everyone jumping on, but we'll definitely do more of these and beyond the draft, too. Um, as we go forward for sure yeah awesome we'll give you a heads up next time we schedule them out keep an eye out for all the other live rooms if you're interested in them i know uh max baltman's been doing a great red wings one too if you want to hear a local hockey fan uh checking out another rebuild so uh all right i think that'll wrap us up thanks again for listening and for participating all the questions and everything and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon